0: Hey, everyone. It's me, D.B. Spitzer, and this guy over here, Farmer Dave. Farmer Dave, how's it going? It is well. Nice. Nice. So, uh, we are currently uh, not not necessarily moving the studio, but just kind of tidying it up a bit. Uh, Mayor says we're going to staff up a bit uh, just for... Uh, community help things, and we're going to use the radio station for more than just a radio station. Uh, going to double up with community radio uh, newspaper stuff, and all that kind of fun thing. Uh, Dave, how are the goats doing?
1: The goats are well. We're kind of having a, a plethora of chicken. Ooh. And and since uh, our guest was actually calling, is in California for uh-huh. our guest, yeah. uh Uh, Jennifer Brody, we're going to be doing a uh, little bit, but I kind of ducked out and I did not broadcast from the studio, but I broadcast from the farm or Uh or called her up from the farm. Sure. And um, apparently the chickens wanted to say something. So uh, our audience is definitely going to hear what the chickens
0: I had to say yeah uh for people who don't know dave has to record his stuff uh his interviews out at the farm because he actually gets cell phone reception terrible as it may be out at the farm as opposed to everyone in oleander who were still just using the pneumatic tubes i i i found I
1: could, if... I it i'll get up to this old giant like it's six foot diameter satellite tv dish and i just wire up my
0: my my cell phone to it. Oh, I I uh, I, I got a tip from the uh, teenagers over at the uh, junkyard, and they're like, "Hey, man, if you crawl up on this uh, big pile of uh, cars up here, you can get cell phone reception. We do it all the time to watch the YouTubes." And I was like, "Oh, that's 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 great." Uh, teenage rebel type at the junkyard. Anyway,
1: yes, at teenage rebel auto parts.
0: Teenage rebel auto parts. Uh, also connected to Teenage Ribble, uh towing and wrecking. Um, I don't think they're a sponsor this week, but uh, A1 Grocery and Taxidermy, uh, 20% off everything June. So um, uh, I, I, I went in thinking it was 20% off everything in June, but it's 20% off anything with June in the name. So I. Uh, June bugs june bugs that was the first thing i thought of but i was like is there anything else in a grocery store and then they're like well uh there's juniper and then there's it's like oh this is terrible this is a terrible grocery store so uh yeah yeah no uh this isn't a commercial for winco but we've been driving to the winco in uh sandy uh it it's i don't know what's going on in boring but it it looks like things are like shutting down it's like i don't see anyone in the in the in the in the shops anymore i mean it's like no one's manning the gas stations it's something's going on in boring i'm not quite sure
1: yes it is becoming boring yeah i mean there's just nothing There is nothing happening there. All the signs are closed.
0: Yeah, it's starting to look a little bit like uh, Oak Ridge, Oregon, also. Uh, So let's see. What else do we have? Hey, we have an interview today with a a writer, graphic artist. So
1: this is is, uh, Jennifer Brody, and she has several graphic novels and a science fiction series. But she's best known for writing... um, There's this uh, company, I I don't know if you... uh, They're called Disney? Oh, yeah, I've heard of them. And they put out these um, movies. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, movies uh, have uh, bad people in them. They call them um, villains. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So she writes the young adult series, Chill, uh, about the Disney villains. Uh, Ursula, uh, the 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 voodoo doctor from Frog Prince. Uh-huh. Uh, she writes a, and I wasn't sure. Can I say this? So she writes under the the pen name uh, for this um, Vera Strange. Okay, uh, Vera Strange. But, you know, I went on the, like, the Disney Wikipedia, and it says, you know, it is written by Jennifer Brody, so I guess it's okay to say that. <laughs> and she mentions it. Okay. But, uh, yes, yeah, she has another one coming out, I think, in about October. Very cool. So, I did do something mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. I promised I would do two weeks ago. Sure. But I didn't do it, so I just didn't say it, and you didn't call me on it last week. All right. So... You know, it's sort of a concern to me because, you know, we've been talking about the Alien franchise. Sure. All weekend. And as much as I like the Alien movies, mm-hmm. I, I'm a huge fan of the Alien comics. Oh, yeah. And the Alien comics have no longer been run by Dark Horse. They're going over to Marvel just Correct. as Conan and Star Wars did before them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there came up this question: Is the alien still there in the big window in um, Milwaukee, Oregon? Mm-hmm. So those who don't know this, a uh, Milwaukee, Oregon, hi chicken. Have you heard the chicken? <laughs> yes. The chi- chicken chicken knows that. So Milwaukee, Oregon is a suburb of Portland, mm-hmm. and um, Main Street. You know, there's a couple. Main Street is, you know, Town Hall, a uh, big parking lot, the police station, a couple stores, including a, uh, a, uh, so, uh, a, a soda fountain that John F. Kennedy sat at. Whoa. Uh, and everything else is Dark Horse. Uh-huh. Uh, and so on their headquarters, they have this huge window with a couple alien, life-size alien statues and a predator statue. Um, and when I first moved to Oregon, that was the first thing I went to, uh, that was my first (laughs) pilgrimage, um, a couple hours before I even went to Powell's world of books or voodoo donuts. Very cool. So, um, so the question is, are the alien statues still there Mm -hmm. now that dark horse does not have, you know, the, the title, they're not doing alien comic books anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the answer is Yes. Not only is that that they have the two lifeline sized alien statues, but they and the predator statue are all wearing masks, little surgical masks. So, <laughs> so So yeah, so so the alien can't shoot its little mouth out of its mask and and, and, and kill you. It's gonna have to kill you with its tail.
0: I have a question for you, Dave. I, well, I, I, you answered a question I was going to ask. Uh, how many masks was the alien wearing? Would like, the alien wear two masks or just one mask? And,
1: yeah. It wears one mask, but it may be doubled up.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: the a, alien is a little bit of a, of, of a
0: germaphobe. Sure, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's go with that interview Unless there's anything else we wanted to talk about,
1: I think that uh, I think we are good. So here is Jen Brody, aka Vera Strange, talking about the Alien franchise.
0: You're listening to KZOM,
1: Oleander Public Radio. And this is Farmer Dave on Radio Free Oleander on KZOM. And just a reminder that we do have a weather warning for northern Clackamas County. We have a slight chance of rain, lightning, and clowns. These aren't the good, nice clowns that give ice cream. These will be killer clowns with automatic weapons. So all citizens are recommended to take shelter during the weather warning. Now, on something much more interesting and much brighter, uh, we have a special guest, guest, and I am very excited. Uh, Je- author Jennifer Brody. Uh, Jennifer, do you mind introducing yourself to uh, to our audience?
2: Oh no, not at all. Thanks for having me. Uh, I am Jennifer Brody. I am the author of the sci-fi trilogy, The Thirteenth Continuum, and the graphic novel Specter Deep Six and Two Hundred. Um, Two Hundred was just nominated for a Stoker Award, so that's super Congratulations. rad. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. And then I'm also the author of the Disney Chills series, which is a Disney villain series. And for that, I write under the name Vera Strange. And the fifth book in that series is out in August and stars the famous Hades from Hercules. So mostly I write either aliens or scary or other fun things.
1: Well, that is just wonderful. And we are talking about not only scary things and aliens we're talking about the alien franchise this month so this is kind of our our ice-breaking question for everyone there's no wrong answer on this do you think that aliens franchise you think it's science fiction or horror or something in between or both
2: well, this is actually something that I have a very strong opinion about, and I've talked about this a lot. It's obviously both, but I always have said that Alien is horror first. It's a horror movie before anything else. Of course, it's sci-fi. It's aliens. It's another planet. It's spaceships. Um, but first and foremost, it is structured like a horror film, and intends to be very scary. It has lots of fun allegorical elements to it. And it also features my favorite movie tagline of all time, which is, In space, no one will hear you scream. So it's very clear about what it is and what it intends to be. But yeah, horror first, sci-fi second, but a mix of both.
1: No, I I agree. I I think it's a horror movie set in space.
2: Exactly. That's exactly Exactly. what it is.
1: And and I'm willing to bet that I'm a, a little bit older than you, but I remember when it first came out, And people that was, you know, I was, of course, too young to see it, but people who did see it, they were, like, in the shock for days. They couldn't believe it was the scariest movie they had ever seen when it first came out.
2: I think it still holds up as one of the scariest movies of all time, and there are certain elements and things they did in the film Like when the first time the alien burst out of the stomach, I know Ridley Scott didn't tell the actors what was going to happen, so they were surprised, and their reactions on screen are very real, as was everyone's in the theater, Um, and it holds up, it holds up beautifully, it's still terrifying, everything about it is.
1: It it, it does, and, you know, definitely the horror side, but, you know, even the science fiction side, you know, I mean, yes, they have a a separate room full of lights, like a temple for the, the computer, but, you know, I still think that future spaceships are going to look like more like that than say the millennium falcon
2: yeah i mean the idea of a mi- mining rig, like ships that are actually used for things like the fact that everything looks used looks lived in the world building it's really all very excellent and you know, this existed in a pre-CGI era, and, you know, pre-CGI, which means practical effects, actually hold up much better in the long run, especially in that your brain registers them as far more terrifying. So I know Stan Winston did the creature effects, and those creature effects hold up a lot better than the CGI stuff. It's just far scarier, and that's why I think a lot of these 70s and 80s horror films are actually still scarier, even when not like Alien holds up, but even when they seem dated, they're still much more terrifying than a lot of the more Modern stuff with a lot of CGI.
1: I completely agree with you there. You know, um, so besides, you know, standing up in horror, I think it's just pop culture. And especially, I think Ripley is just this incredible icon. You know, I was talking that with mm-hmm. a DB, and I think we're going to play that later. You know, you say that person's a total Ripley. You know mm-hmm. what you're talking about. H- how do you think Ripley became such an icon and how she, she stood up as a science fiction and horror icon?
2: Well, I think it's a combination of elements. Um, I even have a Funko doll of Ripley and the Alien Queen. I'm a huge fan of Ripley. Um, well, I mean, the story goes that originally in the script, that role was written for a male actor, and they cast Sigourney Weaver and they didn't rewrite the script at all. So they kept it exactly the same, which is, I think, part of why, huh? Which I think is part of why um, the character holds up. And, you know, there's something called the Beshmel test, which has to do with whether or not a movie has significant female characters in it. And almost all Hollywood films fail the Beshmel test. And it yeah. involves, there has to be a character on screen, a female character, who talks to another female character about something other than a man which seems like it'd be very easy for a movie to pass this test, but most every movie actually fails this test, which is a very sad statement about Hollywood. However, the genre that passes the best test the most at well over 50% is actually horror. Horror movies tend to be the genre that features strong female protagonists, and those protagonists often are saving the world, and they're not just worried about a dude or something BS like that. And so Ripley in Alien 100% passes this test, and I think you know her acting, her ability, her strength um, as the hero and the protagonist of the film, um, and it just stands and holds up, and was quite a bit ahead of its time. And I think that that's a real big piece of it, you know, and it did spawn this franchise, of course. So you have you know, a strong franchise led by a female character, which is fairly rare. We didn't really start to get a lot of that even in the superhero realm until more recently. And even with those movies, they're still the minority, right? Or the characters are supporting, like, you know, Captain Marvel was great, but then she was super sidelined in the Avengers films. You know, like, she's here, let's get rid of her. She'll come back at the end because she's by far the most powerful. And, you know, but they don't really feature her that much so my point being that you know in terms of horror franchises and we could stack up Alien I mean there's others Nightmare on Elm Street I love I'm a huge Hellraiser fan but all of these franchises are anchored by female lead
1: you know and so I just had a thought and and, and this is sort of still forming in my head but fear breaks gender boundaries Mm -hmm. you know we all get afraid and deeply afraid and so i think that everybody can relate to what she's going through no matter what your gender or your skin color or or anything
2: yeah and i mean i think also with sci-fi and horror these tend to be the arenas that break a lot of gender and racial barriers you know star trek was the first tv show to have a black actress it was the first tv show to have interracial dating and relationships you know and so we se- see this pretty much throughout these two arenas because they are transgressive typically or they take place in the future or like alien They're a combination of both um so they don't really have to adhere as much to the norms that we see a lot and they tend to break a lot of barriers and like you said they're entertaining and fear kind of speaks to everyone you know And alien does have a diverse cast you know there is at least that attempt and this film was something that was made quite a while ago Um, i think that's a reason it holds up you know you know over time um and and i think you're
1: absolutely oh sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you there no
2: i was just saying i think it's a testament to all of that it's just such a fabulous movie Mm
1: Yeah, and, and and I think you're you're right, and and Redley Scott especially has shown that he's willing to take risks. But I oh, think yeah. horror and, and and science fiction are definitely, you know, genres that, that people are willing to take risks for.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely, um, and succeed, and the films succeed. So it's a really, it's an exciting arena, and it is most everything I write is either sci-fi or horror. It's kind of my specialty, and it's one of the reasons I love working in it. Well,
1: excellent you know what are some of your maybe your favorite parts of the the alien franchise?
2: Um, I think the first film start to finish is just pretty perfect movie. Um, obviously the scene where the alien pops out of the stomach is quite iconic. Um, the production design, the way the ships are designed and there's a lot of specific imagery that was used. The Stan Winston effects on the alien is really really fantastic and just some of the world building the way the alien culture works is cool. I'm a huge fan of Aliens. I mean, that's just such a great example of taking something that was working, having another phenomenal filmmaker, which is James Cameron, come in. And he shifted it to be a little more action-oriented, and obviously you put a ton more Aliens in it. Um, But he also built in a a sort of mother-daughter story with Newt coming in, and I think that was such a smart decision on Cameron's part. And it's something he does frequently throughout all of his work. I do really enjoy Alien 3, even though I know David Fincher has completely pretty much disavowed it. Um, because of the way the studio, I believe, kind of held him back and recut the film. But I think there's still a lot of beautiful elements. And the amazing thing about it is this is a franchise where you have three of the greatest filmmakers of all time, being Ridley Scott, James Cameron, and David Fincher, coming in to do this trilogy of movies. And I'll never forget my uncle taking me to see Alien 3 in the theater. I absolutely loved it. And it's still great and terrifying, even if it's quite not on the same level. And then after that, I would say I'm not as big of a fan of the movies yeah. that come later, although Alien vs. Predator was a fun combo of universes. But for me, it's that original trilogy that kind of really holds up and that I most enjoy.
1: You know, definitely. And and I'll tell you, the part, I like it when when movie makers, you know, obviously they got to tell a story, but I like a part where they leave it a little bit up to your imagination Oh, yeah. And for years, I imagined what was that elephant alien like, you know, had his, you know, the, the original one that got his chest bust. Didn't oh, yeah. you see is this spaceship, you know. And I would think for years, it's, you know, what, what was he like? Who was he? And that, that just captured my attention.
2: Yeah, I think that's like the amazing thing about the world building and also the the beauty of not having access to CGI where, you know, you had to be really careful about your choices and there are things you maybe imagine, such as what you were just discussing. That you couldn't really pull off if you had tried to animate it. They just didn't have yeah. it, but you could build it and leave more up to the imagination. But I think that actually was beneficial. It's kind of like that rule with the Jaws film, where they actually did have a mechanical shark. They wanted to show it. It broke down, so they had to shoot around it. But you ended up with this film where you didn't really see it, and that was actually scarier than seeing it. You the know, the and less you see that more. a lot. Less is more, and you see that with like even I'm a huge fan of David Fincher's film Seven. But Seven is a really hugely frightening when scariest films of all time. But they show you crime scenes after the murder has already taken place. And that's far more terrifying when you're putting it together in your head than actually seeing the crime. Um, So it kind of goes to that rule of like not seeing or just seeing some element of the aftermath is more scary than if you actually saw the creature.
1: So a couple of years ago, ign and uh oh uh 20th century fox or it was fox right that made
2: mm-hmm. yes its it fox what, now what, they belong I, to disney
1: <laughs> yeah well yes that's right um they made um a series of 40th anniversary shorts mm. for alien have you seen any of those Mm-mm. so i haven't seen them but
2: that's
1: they're cool. all on youtube and, and i anyone so anyone's listening to this they're free to watch. They're about 12 minutes apiece and they were fan written. Oh, but that's cool. But they're, they're canon. They're actually considered canon because, you know, cool. 20th Century Fox. And they chipped in the money. And so you don't get a lot of aliens. It's mainly people, but there are some authentic alien, you know, props there. And all those are are free to watch on YouTube.
2: That's so cool. That's a that's a really neat idea. It's cool that they did that.
1: Yeah, no, and I I love the fact, yeah, that that, that it's the people the people who loved it, who basically wrote the story.
2: Well, I think that there's always when you get something that comes, and I say this because I write Disney villains now with a huge fan base, a following canon um yeah there is always an interaction with the readers with the fans over time and they you know even with my disney chill series that's even spawning fan fiction now and readers you know coming up with their own sort of disney chill stories so i think it makes sense to have that sort of interplay to celebrate especially a franchise like alien yeah
1: yeah and so many people are i mean so many companies are so it's our toys don't touch it and it's so nice that they let it out to the fans
2: i know but i bet now that it's disney they won't (laughs) (laughs) well yeah with all due love for disney but yeah no it is cool and you know you see that sometimes with musicians or different places that kind of open it up um it's nice and it's nice to keep um, the fan base engaged and involved
1: so sort of on that topic let's say disney or whoever's in charge now comes up to you and says Hey, we're going to put you in charge of the next alien project. Money is not a, an, an issue. What would you want to do?
2: Well, I mean, as much as I thought Prometheus is one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen, the they kind of destroyed all their world building and their logic. which yeah. um, was just sort of a mess, whereas I thought that there was such a nice consistency and I understood how everything functioned in that universe before... Um, I think it would be good to probably take it back. I think prequel could be interesting territory to explore, but not the way Prometheus did it. More, you know, what happened before Ripley. I think it could be fun to introduce some fresh characters. I actually think it could also be fun to expand Alien more into some of the books in a a cinematic like a book universe to kind of build off of, Um, which is something that Disney's been really good at doing with um, their properties, and Star Wars has been really good. Um, And I think that gives a lot of opportunity to build other stories because once you have a universe like Star Wars that's already built out, it's like to move it away from the core characters and start building out different arenas in the story. Like obviously Star Wars is doing a lot of High Republic stuff now, um, which is a certain era of Star Wars that took place a couple hundred years before the first film. Um, I think it'd be fun to do something like that with Alien because clearly there's a lot there that you could explore and there's a lot of opportunity to bring new characters in.
1: You no, know, definitely. And uh, I was a huge, huge fan of, of the Dark Horse comics, yep. Alien comics. And then they novelized them. And yep. somebody at my local little uh, charity bookstore, someone must have had like 20 of those books and just <laughs> dropped them off. So I paid like 10 bucks, you know, 50 cents a piece. And it it probably took me six years to go through all of them. And I think there's some Alien versus Predator I haven't finished yet. But, oh, I just love that universe in print.
2: Yeah, and Predator is fun, too. I mean, I think a lot more could be done with Predator. Disney's sort of just sitting on it. I'm like, yo, let's do something. Because I think they have both Alien and Predator now.
1: You know, well, hopefully.
2: Yeah, I'd love to see them start to do more with it. It'd be super fun.
1: So do you have maybe any, any uh, before we sign off here, any maybe last uh, bit of wisdom or, or something you'd like to share with uh, our audience?
2: Um, I don't know. I just think that, you know, I've always been the hugest fan of Alien. Um, Like I said, that tagline, in space, no one can hear you scream. That's the best movie tagline of all time. Um, It's fun to do a watch where you, yeah, and where you do, like, it's fun to watch them back to back to back, one to three. I think that's a really fun thing to do if you were looking for a good movie night.
1: Oh, you know what? I've never, I'm, I, I think it's probably, I have never think I've seen them closer than like maybe two weeks together. I never thought of one, you know, just doing it all one oh, night. Yeah. That'd be.
2: It's a fun binge to do. I highly recommend it, especially if we get closer to Halloween. Oh
1: yeah, well, yeah. So, so if somebody is interested in getting your uh, stories and we'll include uh, links in the, the show notes, but if someone is interested, where can they get your books?
2: Uh, My books are pretty much available anywhere books are sold. If a store doesn't have them in stock on the shelves, obviously this has been a weird year with bookstores closing, or only doing online orders. Uh, Any bookstore can and should be able to order any of my books. My 13th Continuum Trilogy and my graphic novel Spectre Deep Six, which is about ghost soldiers or 200. And then my Disney Chill series is available very widely. It's in Target, It's at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and it's actually published and translated in a bunch of different languages and countries. I know we're in France, Japan, Mexico, UK... I can't always keep track of everywhere. Um, so they're available in a lot of languages. My continuing children used also in Russian, China, a couple other places. So, yeah, they're pretty much all over. And I'm easy to find on social media. I'm at Jennifer Birdie on Twitter and at Jennifer Brody Writer on Instagram and Facebook.
1: Well, thank you so much. And we hope we, you know, even though the show is going to go through some changes in the near future, we really hope that to have you on again because I've just really enjoyed talking to you
2: absolutely thanks david it was wonderful talking and thanks for all the fun animals in the background that's a trip oh
1: you're welcome and audience just to let you know that the the chickens are are alive and kicking and they are laying eggs so if you ever make it down to oleanders come over to oblivion's where you can get omelets from uh, uncle owen's uh, goat farm eggs thank you again and our guest this week has been jennifer brody
0: Alright, hey everyone, we are back It's me, DB, Farmer Dave over there And I guess And his
1: chickens And his chickens and, My uh, chickens might be call, might
0: be Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're, we're gonna do that uh, Dave, get ready to do your lose We're gonna do that Fourth wall breaking IRL Last of the month thing that uh, We remember to do about fifty percent of the time on Radio Free Holy The Wayans
1: were. The, the Wayans were. Wayne's were doodle-doo, 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 doodle-doo. Okay, now I am no longer right. Farmer Dave. I, I, am, pers- I, I am David Heath. I just. And I you just, are no longer DB Spitzer. You are DB Spitzer. I am DB Spitzer. So yes, yes, yeah. Uh. yeah. So sort of like, there's <laughs> Stephen Colbert, and then there's Stephen Colbert character.
0: Exactly. Yeah. No, uh, like DB Spitzer is uh like my artist name but it's also my real name it's just uh different things like uh, my real name is different than db spitzer's real name what the initials are so um and ah, db has changed season to season uh based off like i don't even remember anything from prior to season three <laughs> but, <laughs> uh yeah no uh it's it's uh, it's a crazy show that we've been working on and it's it's uh, I, I think it's 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 gonna be exciting to go back to the Cthulhu Mythos and talk about stuff. But
1: so so how many years have you been doing People's Guide to Cthulhu Mythos? Since March two thousand fifteen. And so. so it's got a pretty decent pretty uh pretty pedigree 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 i'm sorry yeah the real david gets to say words
0: once in a while that's all right that's all right and uh yeah no no and uh, i feel like coming back to it now i've actually learned enough about podcasting and editing that it's not going to be just like nails on a chalkboard for some people uh, first couple of years, like, the first season I did, I didn't know how to, like, properly adjust the recording level, and I was picking up all the background information, or all the background sound, and, uh, I don't know, I've learned various things over the years, talked to people about stuff, bought better equipment, and, uh, you know, and, and then at other times just kind of, like, ignored everything I learned, and then got mad that, like, the overall things sounded bad, but uh, I I think this is going to be the best season of People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, still going to have elements of Radio Free Oleander, and uh, it's going to be Black Clock Audio Tales as well, but maybe a lot less, like uh, one story kind of parsed out over a short period of time, instead of like trying to do a whole book
1: (coughs) So, so in case you guys heard that, David Heath does actually live on a working farm. So and he really does have much more roosters than he really wants to have. <laughs> so you guys have heard the the rooster all show.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Normally it's 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 goats or roosters, yeah. or lambs. Oh yeah. On, on my side, it's generally car alarms or people playing basketball that I have to try and filter out. But yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to be doing Cthulhu Mythos, but we're still going to have writers on talking about whatever. Uh, Dave, uh, Farmer Dave, David Heath, uh, whoever is going to talk whatever they want to about whatever they want to, and uh, DB Spitzer may also as well uh, talk about stuff. Uh, Farmer Dave, uh, you've talked about Dave is like kind of different from who you are as a person, and that's that's very kind of like similar with like the character db spitzer like i I think sometimes db's kind of mean to farmer dave just because db's kind of this like vain smarmy um kind of really kind of pretentious jerk that's how i've always kind of
1: which which, honestly you are not
0: i am not no no No, i'm no no you, you are not no no the only thing that like um uh db and i have in common is the name um i'm i'm very kind of like uh, I like to be around people, and I'm very friendly, and <laughs> I do have social anxiety, which um, I, 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 I think DB just doesn't like people, is what DB does, as opposed to me, who I'm just like, uh, just like kind of don't want to be out there about right now, unless I'm in front of a bunch of people, then I'm a huge ham, and yeah, it's complexities of my social anxiety, but yeah, no, uh, also um i think db the character that i play not me uh is trying to be a lot smarter than they are while i on the other hand am generally like oh i don't know that let me learn more while db will talk about stuff kind of like whether or not they know about it and pretend it like they do i personally if i'm reading something out loud i will be like i don't know anything about this uh let's let's research it together while i feel like in the past like not uh, in the last couple of seasons, but in the past, like talking to people, uh, I, like DB's been very kind of like, well, I know this and I know that. And then, like, you know, like, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm playing a character, Ken. Don't worry. I'm not trying to be a jerk. <laughs> And then Ken's like, oh, yeah, that didn't come off very well at all. You should probably cut that part out. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks for the professional advice, Ken Height. That was very nice. <laughs> you're,
1: you're, you're kind of like uh, the Oleander version
0: of
1: Michael B. Jordan's Killamonger. Or, 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 yeah, you just, you do such a good job that people don't realize it. it's not you.
0: Yeah. 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 No, no. And, um, yeah no no uh and i i've been kind of like jerky in the past and stuff like that and sarah uh my previous co-host she's like i like being on the show but you're kind of a jerk to me sometimes and i don't like it and i'm like oh i'm sorry i didn't realize i was you know and she's like i it's it's that's, she didn't leave the show because I was being a jerk. She left the show because of the fact that she had a lot more stuff to do <laughs> than podcast with me. But yeah, no, no. She's like, no, you're being kind of mean. It's just like it feels weird because that's not who you are. You don't like say mean stuff or like be like kind of crappy about things and you're kind of like dismissive and it's, it's weird. And it, I'm just kind of uncomfortable with it. I'm like, oh, oh, no, no. That's just kind of like D.B db's kind of like kind of a crabby person (laughs) (laughs) anyway but yeah no um and something else that people are confused by is that i actually do all social media as db and um except for instagram instagram is 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 me actually and 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 i I have to tell my friends and family it's like no don't don't (laughs) don't judge me on this this is i use facebook for advertising my podcast but anyway i, I mean, have not
1: been hacked and my account taken over by a mean russian bot
0: yeah yeah and uh, I, I i guess it'd be like uh your family being like or, or if, if if like farmer dave is like oh yeah i don't have a family all oh, my family's either dead or missing and uh, they were born yeah and uh my, my,
1: my niece was trying to figure out and and in in the oleander world was she just never born
0: or did she die <laughs> Ooh, dude,
1: i think you killed me off oh, i nah, i just your mom didn't exist
0: yeah yeah that's, that's 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 a lot nicer of a reality to think of but yeah yeah no and uh people have thought it's funny that i've given my kids uh fake names uh dusseldorf and barbacoa because i don't know i i really like to have privacy but also occasionally do like to show off how cool my kids are. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, no, uh, Radio Free Oleander isn't going away. People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos is coming back and just kind of like, I don't know, probably we're going to go back to the bunker too. I mean, we haven't been back to Dave's underground uh, bunker in yeah, some time. Yeah, I, I was thinking
1: about this. So, so for those who maybe listening to this show for the last you know, year and three months, but didn't hear the show before I had that, the the farm was over a, a secret
0: Illuminati base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So. Yeah, and Dave had to uh, mail the tapes to me, so... But, yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, we'll still have the... Uh, just kind of the recording studio and the uh, remnants of KZOM. <laughs> and... <laughs> uh i probably uh db's and dave's space that's available to them will shrink slowly and slowly and slowly and maybe we'll make it back to the bunker <sighs> as
1: dave gets bigger and bigger i got <laughs> i gotta start exercising Let's, now the COVID's over
0: oh yeah oh geez yeah you definitely i i think that's a lot of people's uh reality currently is like oh yeah i gotta got to get that exercise in now that I can go out and do stuff. But yeah. (laughs) Uh, Being someone who walks everywhere. I walk everywhere all the time. Uh, I have anxiety about driving. I'll be open about that. I have anxiety about driving and being in cars in general. And I walk a lot of the time or take mass transit. Still haven't gotten back with mass transit. I generally use my e-scooter or walk around. Uh, that's that's actually something that I joke about with DB um, but is real about me is I do have an e-scooter that I do ride short distances like 3-4 miles if I don't want to like get on mass transit because I'm unfortunately uh, on the uh, weird outside part like heading in toward the hub and spoke uh, system of uh, like Portland in general so it's like I'm on the ingoing spoke so if I want to get anywhere else in southeast portland uh from north portland to southeast portland i have to like uh scooter out that way or walk out that way anyway uh enough enough uh portland uh, commuting tips
1: (laughs) because you can portland too
0: yeah yeah and uh Yeah, and we're not going to talk much about Portland or anything like that, but uh, maybe occasionally Dave and I will talk about comic books, movies, literature, I don't know, graphic novels of of, of note. I mean, Dave and I still have not talked about Like a Velvet Glove, Cast in Iron by Dan Klaus or any other Dan Klaus books that I love so much. which, which I don't know, uh, are definitely on the on the cusp of weird fiction. I don't know if you're familiar with that stuff, but maybe we can get into that next season.
1: So, so, so I know them. I
0: need to go get them. Uh huh. Yeah. Gotcha. And uh, what else do we got going on for next year? So, thinking? so I, 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 this is a completely techie question. Oh sure. So let's say if
1: somebody is used to they it, got it set up so that. Spotify or whatever, that they get all the episodes Uh of uh, Radio Free Oleander, but they want to continue. What do they have to ch- do? Do they have to change anything in their system? or Nothing. Or was it, they still have to go through PGG, TTM?
0: Or... E- e- everything, everything will be exactly the same. It's just sit back and just let it switch over. I think it's actually switching over right now. Technically, this might be an episode of People's Guide to the Mythos. I did it a week early just so it could set up an apple. But, yeah, uh, a little uh, how the sausage is made. But, yeah, so... Um, That's that's nothing will change with that, but it will just pretty much be the same feed, and uh, just kind of trimming it up a bit, squishing everything together, reforming it, and getting a better. Bringing you a better sausage. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. Just trying to figure out what we need to do, Uh, adjusting the spices, and uh, remembering to uh, refrigerate the casing. (laughs) All right. Uh, Dave, did we have anything else that you wanted to talk about in regards to Oleander? No, yes, I really
1: have, you know, and, and, and Oleander will still be there, but I really appreciate everything that you've allowed us, you know, how oh, yeah. you set it up. I mean, really, I am. I'm this Luddite. I can never get this stuff out. So uh, I really appreciate all the work that you put into this, and, and the people listening, especially our friends in Poland and Norway, and Scotland,
0: because I know we're big in those three. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, we're doing pretty good. A lot of places we're doing pretty good in Greece. Hey, everyone in Greece. Hey, everyone in the Philippines. Hey, everyone in Sweden. Hello, everyone in Turkey and in uh, uh, Eastern Europe, Northern Europe, uh, South America and all of our friends all the way over in australia and new zealand the netherlands and Multanoma county <laughs> yes Multnomah county malta uh. <laughs> but yeah everyone everywhere uh I I, I I i i would have to look at the list i'm trying to remember where do we have everyone right now um but yeah thank you so much everyone and will still be here and just trying to bring you an even better product. And Farmer Dave will return in Farmer Dave versus the
1: World Crime Organization. Dun, dun, dun.
0: (laughs) All right. We'll see you next time, everyone. Bye. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio.